It's time for Lawyers for Jesus, a show about the dynamic and exciting interaction of faith and the law. Featuring the attorneys from the law firm Malkin Baker in downtown Chicago. Malkin Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and for serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Sue Lee, an attorney at the law firm of Mauk and Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys that focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. To learn more about us, go to maukbaker.com, that's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com, or call 312-726-1243. How can we be good stewards with our money and belongings, not only when we are alive, but also after we pass? When should you start thinking about estate planning? Today, I will be speaking with Melissa DeVries, a partner attorney at Hogan, Dorn & Talbot, who focuses her practice on estate planning, estate administration, and more. Melissa maintains a diverse client base of individuals and couples with all levels of estate planning needs and works closely with them to determine their goals and tailor a plan accordingly. Melissa, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, Melissa, I want to start our show with this question. What is estate planning? Estate planning is a a process in which you uh, put in writing your wishes when it comes to who is going to uh, take care of your assets if you become disabled or you pass away, who will make health care decisions for you if you become disabled, uh, and then finally where your assets will pass uh, upon your death. So it is not only about death planning, but it is a planning during for your life. Absolutely. Um, Because if you don't do this planning either during your life or for your death, um, you know, each state has laws on the books to take care of these things for you. Um, But then you're really leaving your affairs in the hands of a court uh, to determine, first of all, who should be in charge of your affairs and healthcare decisions, and second of all, what they can do with them. So that's not really ideal. Okay, so before we talk about whether estate planning is for everyone, can you tell me really briefly the essential documents of estate planning? The basic estate planning documents are going to consist of a power of attorney for health care, a power of attorney for finances, and these documents have different names in different states, But uh, uh, and then a will, and often um, it's a will and a revocable living trust. Those are your you know, basic documents. Okay. So estate planning, is it for everyone? What is your response to someone who feels that he or she does not need estate planning because he or she does not own a lot? Um, First of all, I would remind people that um, everyone should have at a bare minimum a power of attorney for health care and property, even if all you have is a checking account where, you know, the check comes in every couple weeks and goes out in in the meantime. Um, Because if you were to become disabled, if you don't have those documents, again, then a court is going to have to appoint someone to handle those things for you. The court will oversee that person and has to approve what the person's doing. Um, And so even if you really have nothing, at a minimum, you should have those. And then even if you have very little in terms of assets, um, if you uh, have any interest in leaving anything to kingdom causes, uh, you have to say that. You have to put it in writing. Um, And uh, if you don't put anything in writing, uh, the 
laws of intestacy that each state have. They don't include charity, obviously. Okay. So you just mentioned the, even if you don't have anything, you would still recommend people having a power of attorney. Mm-hmm. Uh, but are they a substitute for will? No. So powers of attorney only speak while you're living. So they name someone to handle your finances and to make healthcare decisions for you if you're disabled while you're living. But upon your death, those powers of attorney essentially die with you. So what a will does is a will then speaks at your death. Okay. Um, So I want to kind of go into a little bit deeper about the benefits of having an estate plan. And I always think that if we talk about what happens if we don't have a plan, what happens, can you tell us, can you walk us through um, as to what's going to happen if you don't have a plan and kind of compare and contrast um, with the plan and without a plan? Absolutely. Um, As I've already mentioned, um, if you don't have a plan and you become disabled, then the court um, oversees your affairs and chooses who, you know, sort of deals with what and how. Um, But then uh, I would go on to talk about what would happen at death if you didn't have a plan. Um, first of all, uh, you're going to go, your estate's going to go through probate. Uh, probate is a public proceeding. Anybody can see uh, what's going on in your estate. Um, it's uh, costly because it's court proceedings. Um, but beyond that, um, again, the uh, state law is going to determine how your assets are divided. So that means if you have minor children, there's going to have to be a guardianship open for them and the court will control the money for the young, uh, for your minors. Um, and uh, then when a minor turns 18, they get whatever's left just outright, which it's not always great for an 18-year-old to get a big check or much of, much of a check just outright without uh, anyone helping them with that. Um, Further, uh, as I've already mentioned, you can't provide anything for charity. You have to do that before you die if you want something going to kingdom causes. Um, You may have, other than minor beneficiaries, you may have people you care about and want to provide for who may not be in a position to simply receive a check outright. Um, uh, Maybe somebody with um, special needs due to uh, mental health issues, due to addiction issues, uh, bad marriage, you know, some, some way that while you do want to provide for them, they may not be the best uh, stewards of that money and you want to give someone else that responsibility. Yeah. I definitely like to talk more about the being a good steward of your uh, money and belongings. You are listening to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Suli of the law firm of Malcolm Baker. If you missed part of this episode and want to hear previous Lawyers for Jesus interviews, visit malkbaker.com. You can also subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for legal updates with the biblical perspective. Today, I have been speaking with Melissa DeVries, partner attorney at Hogendorn and Talbot about estate planning. So Melissa, we just talked about being a good steward um, for our money and belongings. Um, So what is your uh, guiding principle about that? Um, What I really enjoy about estate planning is that it's a reminder in our our walk with Jesus that we don't, what we have doesn't really belong to us. Uh, And whether you're a Christian or not, you know you can't take it with you. Um, But particularly for Christians, we believe that, uh, you know, God's the creator. He's uh, in charge of everything. He's given us these blessings uh, and expects us to uh, do well and do good with them. 
And so estate planning is a way for uh, us to recognize that at a certain point, we're going to have to hand our material uh, possessions over to someone else to uh, to steward uh, once we're gone. And so uh, what we need to do is prayerfully consider, um, you know, if we have children, spouses, other loved ones uh, in our lives uh, who we uh, want to be uh, providing for, uh, and then also how to provide for our church and other kingdom causes. Um, and we need to put that into a plan uh, in order for that to be followed when we pass away. And so it's not just uh, a matter of what should be going where, but also who should be handling it. Um, sometimes a spouse or children uh, might be the right people to pass that responsibility on to. In some circumstances, it's not. And we can help um, our clients talk through any issues there may be um, with special uh, special situations, either with uh, certain types of assets or with uh, family members with certain challenges. Choosing someone to handle these financial matters for you, um, what are some of the important considerations that you have to consider in choosing that person? Um, you know, what we do for a lot of people is uh, put trusts in place. And I love just the title of that. It's a trust. It's because you are trusting the person who you're naming as trustee to do right and do good things with this money um, uh, or other assets. And so, you know, the most important thing is that it's someone who is trustworthy because they don't have to be an accountant. They don't have to be an attorney. They don't have to be a financial advisor because the person you trust can always work with professionals to help them figure out how to invest, how to file taxes, how to th do things like that. But the critical issue is it's someone you trust to make good decisions, to make the right decisions, um, and to follow uh, what you would have wanted to happen with this. Speaking of trust, God put his trust in us to handle all the blessings that he has given us. So where in the Bible um, can we find some guiding principles on this? Um, the first verse that comes to mind, since it's uh, the topic of a talk I'll be giving soon, is um, uh, the parable of the wise and faithful servant. Uh, it's the person the master puts in charge of his household to run the household while he's gone. The master trusts that the servant isn't just going to, you know, sort of slack off and uh, assume that he knows when he'll be back and then make it look like he's been doing good. This wise and faithful servant uh, is watching over the master's house the entire time. It doesn't matter when the master comes back. Um, uh, the, the servant is doing the right thing with what the master has entrusted to him. And, you know, I mean, that's sort of like uh, we don't know when the Lord is coming, but we also don't know when we'll be called home. That's true. Uh, Melissa, where can we find this Bible passage? This passage can be found in Matthew 24, uh, verse 45. Thank you. Coming up, we will talk further with Melissa DeVries, partner attorney at Hogan Dorn and Talbot, about how estate planning is living out the biblical command to be wise and faithful in our stewardship. I'm Suli, and this is Lawyers for Jesus.
Malcolm Baker is nationally known for representing churches and religious institutions and is providing you with a free resource to help your church stay protected under the law. This church legal checklist is designed to help your church identify and assess general risks under Illinois law and is revised yearly to keep your church up to date. Go to malkbaker.com slash church legal to download your free copy of this easy to fill out 21 section resource that your church can review at monthly board meetings. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Sue Lee, an attorney at Malcolm Baker, a law firm based in Chicago, which serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals in their legal needs. If you missed the first part of this show and want to listen online, go to malkbaker.com forward slash radio. Today, we have been speaking with Melissa DeVries, partner attorney at Hogendorn and Talbot about estate planning and what it means to be a wise and faithful steward. Um, applying the biblical principle that we just talked about, um, are there different stages of stewardship throughout our lives? Absolutely, Sue. Um, the first stage is when we become of age. Um, and I have uh, two of my three sons have now uh, reached age 18 and beyond. And so I've uh, talked to them and their friends about needing to have uh, powers of attorney, uh, even though they really don't have any assets, um, if they were to be in an accident or, or somehow disabled that way, um, I or their father or whoever they name uh, can make health care decisions for them um, and uh, access their financial uh, records. Additionally, for people with kids in college, as you may know, um, the colleges uh, will not give you any information on your children, uh, either their finances, their well-being, otherwise uh, or otherwise, um, uh, unless you have a power of attorney or in certain circumstances, schools will have, you know, kids fill something Are out. Are you talking about power of attorney for health care and power of attorney for property? Correct. And so even at age 18, I generally recommend that people have that because as a parent, um, I can no longer get that information uh, from my children. So to be clear, before we move on, um, there are two types of powers of attorney, a power of attorney for property and power of attorney for health care. They are two separate documents. Absolutely. Right? And uh, quite often people will name someone different for each responsibility because the person you trust to handle your bank account and pay your bills may be different than the person you trust to make health care decisions for you. And while we're talking about making healthcare decisions for you, um, just a, a little additional piece of um, advice on that: the person you name to make healthcare decisions for you is also the person who has the authority to dispose of your remains. And so, if you have specific wishes about what you do or do not want to happen to your remains and how you know that sort of thing should go, you you want to be careful about who you name for that. Okay, got it. Um, Melissa, you just talked about your kids reaching at college age, but what about when you have minor children? Absolutely. That's really the next stage uh, of estate planning. Um, when you have minor children, um, it's really important that you, in addition to having powers of attorney, you also have at least a will, if not a will and trust. In your will, you're going to name guardians uh, to raise your children if something happens to you and your spouse. 
if you don't do that, um, then it's going to be up to a court to determine who should raise your children. And that uh, even more so than, you know, who should be handling your money really should, you know, God is putting these children in your care. You should be making the decision about who should be raising them. Um, and, you know, the decision on who should raise your children can be uh, either together with who should handle money for your children, uh, or it can be separate. I have clients who specifically uh, say, I want these people to, you know, raise my children, but I want someone else to handle the money and they can work together, kind of checks and balances. I have other clients who say, these are the people I want to raise my children and I want to entrust them with the money to raise my children as well because they're going to know exactly what the kids need and I don't want them to have to go to anyone else to ask for money. So that's, uh, that's a big discussion for um, clients with uh, young children. Um, what about later in your life? Um, any other um, particular stages of stewardship that you can think of? Absolutely. So the next stage, uh, and quite often we don't see clients between, you know, the young children stage and the next time we see them is often when their children are grown. So that's an opportunity to, uh, you know, take a new look at your estate plan. And now you're not worried about who's going to raise the children. The children are grown. Now what you're looking at is if something happens to my spouse and me, are my children now uh, in a, a place, are they responsible adults where I can look to them to uh, to help us if we need help and to um, handle things if we pass away? Um, but it may also be a time to say, okay, these children are grown. This one child has either the addiction issue, the bad marriage, the... Um, uh, you know, mental illness, any any sort of challenges where you maybe need to put some uh, different uh, plans in place uh, for that child. And additionally, while people certainly can provide for kingdom causes when their children are young, um, it tends to be they focus more just on the children at that time. But once the children are grown, that's when a lot more of our clients uh, really start focusing on charitable giving. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, they're probably uh, making current charitable gifts all along. But when the children are grown, um, that's when they can also look at um, uh, either planned giving or putting something in their estate plan uh, to maybe give a tithe to uh, kingdom causes at death. Some people consider a child share. So if you have three kids, you're going to divide it four ways and uh, the fourth share goes to kingdom causes. Um, we have other clients who, you know, give even more, um, but they tend to uh, focus on that more once the children are, are launched, essentially. Well, so that's a really good point that I really like to expand on it, but hold a thought. You are listening to Lawyers for Jesus. I'm Sue Lee of Malcolm Baker, and we're talking to Melissa DeVries, partner attorney at Hogan Dorn and Talbot about estate planning and being a wise and faithful steward. Melissa, we just talked about um, some of the kingdom causes, and I'd like to ask you, how can attorneys be instrumental in helping clients plan wisely with their assets? Can you tell us more about what the specific things that you do with your clients? Absolutely. So in addition to talking to our clients about whether there are any special personal situations we should help uh, them plan for or any particular assets that need some special planning, um, then we also talk about how to 
uh, do good while doing well. And so we can talk about how charitable giving can benefit uh, not just the organizations they're giving to, but also benefit the clients from a tax perspective. So one of the things we talk to clients about is the um, qualified charitable distribution out of IRAs. Uh, you know, if they're to the point where uh, over 70 and a half and they have to start taking minimum required distributions, uh, they can direct that uh, some or all of that go to uh, their favorite causes. Um, we can put charitable remainder trusts in place if they have uh, highly uh, appreciated securities or, you know, real estate or something like that so that they can um, uh, sell the property without uh, paying a big capital gains tax at that point, reinvest it, benefit it from it during their lives. And then when they die, it all goes to their, uh, their favorite causes. Um, and there are a number of other uh, sort of charitable planning devices that we can help clients set up, uh, whether there's something that takes effect at death or, or even takes effect now. Great. Thanks, Melissa. Um, I don't want to forget about um, business owners. Um, should business owners have a special plan for their companies? Absolutely. Business owners have a couple of uh, unique challenges to think through. The first one is who should be succeeding them, uh, you know, to run the company, to own the stock. They owe that consideration not just to their family, but also their employees. So hopefully the company can continue even after they're gone, particularly if it's not a, uh, you know, sort of planned transition, if it's a sudden event. Um, and so, you know, you want to talk about a buy-sell agreement if there are other co-owners um, and things like that. The other special consideration that business owners have is if uh, one of the children uh, is in the business and the other children aren't, or even if all of the children are in the business, but they're in different positions, um, you know, who should, do you leave the shares of the company equally among the three children? Uh, if they're not all in the business, that's not always a great result. Um, and so we can talk through, you know, what to do if you haven't passed on the stock before you die. Should, you know, and should you be selling the stock to the child in the company? Should you be giving the stock to the child in the company? There are financial and tax implications to all of that. Um, but then also, if you do have a child who's going to be getting that stock, sh should you be doing something to, uh, you know, sort of make it up to the children who aren't in the business? So there aren't necessarily right and wrong answers for that, but it's to go through the exercise with the client to see what really is the right answer for their situation. Melissa, well, thank you so much for speaking with us today. We learned a lot about living out the biblical command to be a wise and faithful steward. How can people learn more about your practice and the things we talk about today? My firm has a website, www.hogendorntalbot.com. That's H-O-O-G-E-N-D-O-O-R-N-T-A-L-B-O-T.com. Lots of O's. Um, and so we've got uh, uh, things there. And the other book uh, that I found helpful is uh, Ron Blue's Splitting Heirs. It's about estate planning from the Christian's perspective. Well, thank you, Melissa. 
If you have a legal need or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Mark and Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243 or at markbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Visit our website and subscribe to our newsletters with legal updates or call us and mention Lawyers for Jesus for a free consultation. Thanks for listening. I'm Sue Lee, attorney at Malcolm Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus. Somebody, yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody.